Hey, welcome to our online sermons at Coastal Community Church. So glad that uh, you're checking these sermons out on our internet and, and on our website. And so I want to welcome you. And, and I do want to encourage you that these sermons, online sermons, should be a supplement to your spiritual growth. But one of the things that we're big believers in at Coastal Community Church and uh, want to encourage you is to find a home church uh, where you can not only grow in teaching, but also grow in community with other believers. So if you don't have a home church near you and you live in the Hampton Roads area, we'd love to invite you to Coastal Community Church. We just recently moved uh, to 101 Village Avenue. We have two services, uh, 915 and 11, and we'd love for you to check out one of our services. Precious Father, we just come before you now in the name of Jesus, and we ask, Lord God, that you would illuminate your word to us, that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit, that you would control our lives, that the words of our mouth, Father, would be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Luke chapter 2, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Luke chapter 2. We're going to be looking at the shepherds. Now, Pastor Sean kind of commissioned me last week to kind of explain these candles. We don't want to burn down the piano. Um, Our goal really is to kind of communicate the Advent. Now, what's interesting about the Advent is that the church has been doing it for a little over a thousand years. And it commemorates the coming of Christmas. It's part of the Christian calendar. And it's this idea that in anticipation to the coming birth of Christ, the church stands in anticipation celebrating each of the things that led up to the coming of the Christ child as well as the Christ child himself. In fact, on Christmas Eve, there's a white candle that's supposed to go right in the middle representing the Christ child. Represents that Christ has come into the world. And the scripture, if you have your little notes, look on the back and it's got a little part of Advent on it. The word Advent is from the Latin Adventus which means coming. We celebrate the first coming of Jesus Christ as we look forward to his second coming. Pastor Sean kind of touched on this last week. I want to go through each of the candles with you so that you kind of have an idea of what each candle represents and why we do it this way. It's not just to play with fire. In fact, I encourage you at home... If you have an Advent wreath, is to do this with your children or do this with your grandchildren. Is to light the candles, not just because the kids think it's cool to play with fire, but the idea of kind of celebrating the fact that we are looking forward to the fact of Christmas coming and and we celebrate Christ coming to this earth in human flesh. And so the first candle, it's the purple candle and it represents the prophecy candle. It's the Old Testament prophets. And it represents hope. It's what this entire series is about. Leading up to Christmas Eve. That we have a hope. That Christ died on the cross for our sins. Rose from the dead bodily. And by faith through grace we receive him. And he comes into our life and he changes us. It's the hope of Christ's return as well. That he's going to return and come back for his own. The second candle is a purple candle as well, and it represents the Bethlehem candle, Christ's manger, all the events surrounding and leading up to Christ being born, Herod, the taxing, all of those things. The third candle is the pink candle today, and it represents joy. It's the shepherd's candle. 
And the shepherds heard the message and they had joy. And why is it pink and all the rest purple? Well, the white candle in the middle is easy because it represents Christ coming to the world, the light of the world, purity coming to this dark world to bring light. The shepherd's candle is pink, and you look and you go, that kind of doesn't fit. Why is that? Well, the church in probably the third century, if, if you guys want to know this, one of the things that you did when you were joyful, you gave someone a pink flower, because it represented joy. In fact, the idea of the Lent season or leading up to the Easter season, everyone would exchange gifts that were wrapped in rose color or pink, communicating the joy that Jesus is risen from the dead. And so the pink candle is that representation of the joy that we have in our hearts because Christ has come to this earth. It represents the joy that the shepherds had. The fourth candle is the fourth purple candle. It's the angel's candle. And this, this is the thing that we look at and focus in on peace. The angel's song when they saw the shepherds. Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. And then obviously the sinner candle is the Christ candle. It's pure, spotless Savior, the light come into the world. John 8, 12 is kind of the scripture that embodies this. The advent wreath. Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. In this dark world, we're looking for light. In this dark world, we're looking for something more. We're looking for something greater because God has placed in each of us eternity. And nothing quite satisfies except that which is eternal, namely the person and work of Jesus Christ in our life. And so with that said, with understanding the Advent and kind of going through that, I want to kind of begin and talk about this, this candle, the pink candle. It's the shepherd's candle. It's the joy. It's the hope that we have in joy for the unnoticed so if you have your Bibles, Luke chapter 2, we're going to look at verse 8. I'm going to read it and we're going to keep going. That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. And they were terrified. But an angel reassured them, don't be afraid. I love that. Every time you see an angel talking to people, that's the angelic greeting. Don't be afraid or fear not or stop. Stop being scared. We're not, we're not, we're not here to hurt you. Okay, so the, the, the shepherds were terrified. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news. I bring you gospel that will, be, that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. And suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth and on peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. When the angels had heard return to heaven... The shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone 
what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished, but Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. Have you ever looked in the mirror and wanted to be seen but felt invisible? Maybe you feel invisible now. Maybe you feel unnoticed now. Maybe you are a mother and you have small children and you're just craving adult conversation. Maybe you're a man and you're working in a cubicle and you don't interact with your coworkers very often. Maybe, maybe you just feel like you're just, if, 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 if the holidays come any sooner, you're just gonna bust and you feel extremely alone or you feel extremely unnoticed. The shepherds were these types of people. They were men who cared for and slept with the sheep. But God saw them, and God sees you. Every person can have hope this Christmas season by believing the five truths about God and his interaction with humanity. Now think about this. We live in the selfie or ussy or whatever generation. In fact, I'm going to take a picture. I'm going to put it, well, I can, I'm going to try to. I'm not very extremely tech savvy. And so we're going to take a picture Merry Christmas, right? And then I'm going to post it, and I'm hoping that people are going to click like. Or I'm hoping that people are going to like what I said or make a comment about what I said. Why? Because I want to be noticed. That's why people do what they do, and they want to interact. In fact, if you sleep with your phone by your bed, and the last thing you do is check everything, and when the first thing you do is wake up, you may have an addiction. I'm just saying. Leave it downstairs in your living room. It's not going anywhere. But if you feel tied to it, you're constantly looking. Why? Maybe there's something about a personal relationship. Maybe there's an interaction that you're longing for that you cannot get. And let me share something for you. This is not going to give it to you. This is not going to give it to you. As much as this generation wants to be seen and be noticed... The statistics are telling us that they're the most depressed generation. They feel the most lonely and isolated. Why? Because this doesn't bring intimacy and this doesn't bring personal relationships. Facebook, all of these things and what you put out there for the world to see does not bring you closer to anyone. <laughs> Was that a college student or a parent? <laughs> no, here's the deal. The only way that you're going to get noticed, the only one, the only noticement that matters is the fact that God sees you and notices you. Because when God, your creator, sees you and notices you, then when the interaction and the relationship happens, this carpet drives me crazy. Drives me crazy. Sorry, that's an ADDDDDD moment. <laughs> Attention deficit disorder, deliberate, 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 deliberate. I get annoyed by things. But here's the deal. When, when these things happen, there's this sense that you want to be seen, that you want to be noticed, and you're saying, is there anybody out there that even sees me? Have you ever prayed and felt like your prayers are going no higher than the ceiling? 
Like you're praying and you're just saying, God, please. And it could be something extremely important, extremely intimate. You're praying for a healing for somebody. You're praying for a salvation for somebody. Especially during the holiday seasons, these things are going on. And you're going, God, please. And you almost feel like Oliver, you know, from the Charles Dickens classic. Please, God, can I have some more? Please. Because you're looking and you're saying, God, I don't feel like you even see me. I don't even feel like you notice me. I don't even feel like you even know me. Yeah, maybe I've prayed to receive Christ and I have this relationship with you in, in the gospel because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But like, God, I'm, I'm longing for something more and I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just to be noticed. Shepherds were these type of people. Nobody really cared or noticed them. In fact, I'm sure people stayed away from them because they cared and slept with the sheep. But God saw them. There's five truths that I want you to see from the shepherd's life here in Scripture. First truth is this, that God notices us when we are faithful. Going to your job day after day after day, you're my hero. Because a lot of times these people get unnoticed. At least you think they do. Taking care of your family and staying married to your wife or your husband is faithful. And God sees that. And God notices you. The shepherds were doing the monotonous thing that they had done every day. They were tending to their sheep, doing something very ho-hum, doing very, something very, very mundane. They were tending to their sheep, and God saw them, and he noticed them. Maybe they were having a conversation. I wonder when the Messiah is going to come. Maybe they were having this conversation Maybe, maybe the husband, before he left that day, he looked at his wife and goes, I don't want to go to work. The sheep hate me. All they do is poop and blah all the time. And the wife's like, no, dear, you have to go. You have to go. Provide for our family. Oh. Maybe you can relate. God notices us when we're faithful. See, God intervenes supernaturally in people's lives when they're being faithful, doing what God has called them to do and what he's created them for. The people that are trying to get noticed by taking selfies or doing something outside of the bounds of God, yeah, God sees that, but it's sinful. And God looks and goes, why? Please, stop. No, God, God is looking for the faithful. He's looking for those people that get up every morning and don't want to go to church but come to church anyway. And then when they come, then all of a sudden God interacts with you in a way that's just incredible. And sometimes it's not even what the pastor says. I'm hoping it's what the pastor says, but sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's in a song. Sometimes it's with somebody that comes up to you and notices you and says, I like your sweater. Or there's a hug, hey, when you pass in the hall. And all of a sudden, there's something that happens that God uses that supernaturally in your life. And he uses that person or uses that situation. And all of a sudden, you feel closer to God because of that. 
but it's about being faithful. I mean, think of the psalmist in Psalm 23. They, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. The, the psalmist was writing, David's writing, he's saying, listen, I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death. I'm not running. I'm not, I'm not hanging out on the mountaintop. No, I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death. It's there that God notices us. It's there that God is with us and most intimate with us. What does the Bible say in Psalm 27? It says that God is near to those who have a broken heart and he saves those that have a contrite spirit. Those of you here that are are struggling and that you're going through a difficult time this season, God sees it, he sees you, and he notices you. Don't give up on him. He hasn't given up on you. He loves you. Secondly, God reveals himself according to his word. What did the angels tell the shepherds? They told him the word of God. The Savior, the Messiah, has been born. Where has he been born? In Bethlehem. Micah tells us that the baby or the Christ child or the, the Messiah is going to be born in Bethlehem, the city of David. They gave him scripture. They, they communicated things that were revealed from the Old Testament. Prophets communicated that Christ has come into this world. Fear not, the angelic greeting told the shepherds what the Bible said. God reveals himself according to his word. Why is that? Because the word of God doesn't return void. Isaiah chapter 55. The Lord says, my word will not return void, but it will accomplish what concerns me. So you may be here today and you may be looking for something out there. You might be looking for a book or something about the Bible. Here's my response to you. Look in the Bible. Stop looking around it or about it or what people think about it. Go to the scripture. Go to the source. And the Holy Spirit of God will guide you in all truth. If you're a Christian, guess what? We have the Holy Spirit. We have the word of God. He's going to reveal all truth to us. If you're off base, guess what? That's why God has given us pastors and a church to guide us and to keep us. People coming up with their own individual interpretations and then going, I think this is what God wants me to do. I, I, honestly, the, about a month and a half ago, I had somebody come in, it was a couple, and the guy looked at me and he said, I believe that God wants me to divorce my wife. I was like, dude, not the God that I serve. The fact that you are trying to do this is, I mean, woo. God's going to strike you, man. Why? Because here's the deal. God doesn't say anything contrary to his word. And so when he speaks or when he communicates, when he talks to us, it is through the word of God that he speaks to us. And to hold this as one of the way God speaks is looking at this and kind of putting it to the side. No, God speaks to us through his word. And outside of that, some of you want to be noticed by God, but you don't want to go and hear from God through his word. It's, it's the discipline of going to his word and looking 
And God then having it jump off the page at you. Third, God deals with all people differently. God deals with all people differently. I wish he dealt with us all the same. In fact, have you ever noticed how God healed, did Jesus heal blind people? This is, my, this is my favorite illustration of this. Jesus heals five different blind people in the scriptures, okay? Do you know that he never heals them the exact same way? In fact, one way, he touches them in one case. In another case, he speaks to them and they're healed. One of them, he says, go, show yourself to the priests. One, one case, he spits on the ground, makes a clay, and puts it on his eyes. Okay. In another case, he takes the blind guy and spits in his eyes. Why? What the heck? Oh, thank you, Jesus. No, you, you know why? Because the power is not in the spit or the mud or the words. The power is in the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who heals. And he's the one that does it. Otherwise, people would be like, Jesus, I got a jar. Spit in it, spit in it, spit in it. Think about those like autograph hounds that hang around those professional athletes and they're signing things and stuff. You would have these people coming around going, Jesus, spit in this, spit in this. Make mud. There's mud in here. There's dirt. Spit, spit, spit. I'm going to make a clay. Why? Because it's, that's not where the power rests. That's not where our hope is. That's not where we find our joy. We find our joy in the person of Jesus Christ. See, God deals with all people differently, and he dealt with the humble shepherds. See, humble people are his favorite people. You don't believe me? James 4, 6, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. You cannot be arrogant and think that, God, that you are God's favorite. In fact, I see all those bumper sticker theologies. God loves you, but I'm his favorite. I'll be like, oh, man, wow. What do I have to do to get close to you? You know? I look at that and I just go, that doesn't make any sense. No, listen, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. You want to be one of God's favorite, come to him humbly. And recognize that he is the only one that can sustain you. He's the only one that can give you eternal life. He's the only one that can keep you and walk with you through the valley of the shadow of death. He's the only one that really matters. But he deals with all people differently. The shepherds. He dealt with them differently. Notice how he dealt with the wise men. He gives them a star. He gives the shepherds. What does he give the shepherds? He gives them an angelic choir and an angel to communicate to them. And some of you might be looking for your angelic choir. Some of you might. Remember, in the, if you look at the scripture, he never deals with his, his people the same way. The Bible says in um, 2 Kings, you have Elijah, the prophet, and the Bible says that, you know, that God was going to come and speak to Elijah and it wasn't in the earthquake. It wasn't in the fire. It wasn't in any of those things. He went and it was in the still small voice. God just spoke to him. And some of us are looking for the, 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 the angelic choir, the bright light. So that you can go, oh, yes, now I know what I'm supposed to do. No, and the reality is this. No, God deals with us differently. 
Sometimes it's through circumstances. Sometimes it's through other people's sin. That's a hard one. Sometimes it's through all of these different things. But what's the goal? What is God's goal for our life as Christians? Romans chapter 8, verse 29, that he will conform us into the image of his son, Jesus Christ. That he will make us more like Christ. And so all of the things that you have done or have been done to you, as messed up and as broken as they are, the master wants to come and put it back together. And he wants to make us and form us and to, to, to be more like his son, Jesus Christ. And that's how God sometimes notices us. And sometimes we don't want to be noticed because we're comfortable in our sin or we're comfortable in the things that we're doing. And God saw the shepherds and he dealt with them differently. Why? Because they were humble people. Why would God even take notice of the shepherds? Because the coming Messiah wasn't just for one type of people or one people group or one color or one race. It was for all people. Christ is for all. For unto you is born this day. And on earth, peace, goodwill toward men, mankind. Number four, next truth that brings us joy. Brought the shepherds joy is that God expects us to act on the truth revealed to us without delay. Verse 15 and 16. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's sit around and talk about this. Nope, that's not what it says. When the, shepherds had, when the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go home and think about this and ponder this and sleep on it. When the angels, no, that's not what it says. When the angel, when they returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, hey, let's go to sleep. No, what did it say? It said, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. God expects us to act on the truth revealed to us without delay. See, sometimes when we're going through our mundane life, when we're going through our life and we're being faithful, sometimes there's that moment, and I call it, you can call it whatever you want, but I call it a character-defining moment in your life. It's that time where, where you have a, where, where all of a sudden it feels like you've got a choice. There's a fork in the road. There's the sense that, am I going to go with God or am I going to go with myself? Now, don't talk to me about the theology of it. I can talk to you about it later. But it's this idea that, am I going to be faithful to the Lord or am I going to go do what I want to do? It's a character-defining moment. You have to make a decision in that moment. And it's pretty black and white. There's There's no gray Either you're going to follow the Lord and do what he says or you're not. It, it, I had a conversation with this guy. He was a Christian. He, he, and he, he over and over again, and he says, listen, I cannot, I cannot, I cannot, I cannot share my faith. I get so flustered and I feel like it, that it, I just don't understand and I can't do it. And I just looked and I said, well, let's continue to pray. And let's continue to seek the Lord and let's continue to do what the Lord wants us to do and see what he wants us to do. So we continued to pray, and finally he looked and he said, you know what? I realize this isn't the only thing about my Christian faith that I don't want to do. 
In fact, I feel like I just want to go because I just want to be around Christians and stuff because it makes me feel good. I realize that I don't really believe the gospel. It was a character-defining moment in his life when he was affronted with a choice, and all of a sudden he said, you know what, it's too hard, I'm not going to do it anymore. And I'm going to go find a church that's going to allow me to go do that. And he left. But all of us are faced... God expects us to act when the truth is revealed to us without delay. When the gospel is presented, you have an opportunity. Are you going to pray and receive Christ to be your Lord and Savior, or are you going to turn and go the opposite direction? It's that character-defining moment in your life. It's these things that shape us. I remember reading one story. It was a guy. He, he says, you know what? I was in the hotel, and I was about to cheat on my wife, and I just had to pick up the phone. And as I was about to pick up the phone, I saw the Gideon Bible there, and I looked, and God just overwhelmed me in that moment to start reading that. And instead of picking up the phone, I picked up the Bible. And he says, you know what? It changed my life forever. Character-defining moment in this life that God gives us. Shepherds were in a character-defining moment. They had, they had, God had revealed truth to them, and it was up to them. What were they going to do? They were going to go and see the Christ child. It just really comes down to looking at the Bible and not being hearers of the word only, but being doers of the word. Shepherds left to see the Messiah. And the final thing is this, and, and then we're done. God wants us to share with others when God sees us. Verses 17 through 20. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. Mary keeps all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. If God has saved you, if God has noticed you at any point in your life, share it. Especially during this season. Share it often. Share it with everyone you come in contact with. So I was talking to this guy yesterday and he was telling me, that he, they went to Home Depot and he says he has four kids and they were, they were screaming and crying and going crazy and they were trying to pick out their Christmas tree and, and all of a sudden they go, fine, let's just get this one. And then they went to reach, she didn't bring her purse, he didn't bring his wallet. He's like, ah, oh, we went through this whole nightmare of a time to get a Christmas tree and we forgot our wallet. And there's a guy that overheard them and as they were interacting and he says, let me buy your tree. Guy's like, um, no, no, no. I know you really don't want to do it. It's it's totally cool. And he's like, no, no. I insist. Let me buy your tree. He said, in that moment, he says it was like, because he said he was telling me about some things that were going on at work. He was telling me about some things that were happening in his family. He was telling me about some different things. He said it was like God just gave me a pick me up in that moment. It was like that God just. He said, and. He's like an angel. Like my wife and I were about to kill each other because she was supposed to bring her purse. I was supposed to bring my wallet. We both assumed the wrong things. I know you guys have never done that. But all of a sudden there was great tension and the kids are screaming and the diapers have got to be changed and all of the chaos of life is happening. And it's like, no, we're going to get a Christmas tree. And you're going to like it. 
And all of a sudden, it was like peace kind of came down in the midst of it. He says, we got in the car, loaded the tree, and he says, and my wife and I had such joy. Because it felt like God had seen us. Listen, sometimes God will do that, but sometimes you're the person buying the tree. And if you're the one buying the tree, then God is using you to make an impact on someone's life so that their lives are different and you can share the gospel with them and then they'll hear the good news and then all of a sudden they're going to go and do that with somebody else. No, the angels were, were transformed by the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. They were transformed by the fact they went, they saw the Christ child and then what did they do? They went and told everybody. Why? I think it's because when you come into contact with Christ... You can't be the same. If you have come into contact, if you've been saved by Jesus Christ, it means God's noticed you, saved you, and it's time for you to just tell people. Jesus died on the cross for your sins. He he rose again the third day. And if you receive him by faith into your life, I promise you'll be changed. That's the power of the gospel. But to a world that is perishing, the apostle Paul says it's foolishness. How could someone die make a difference in my life? No, but it's looking for those moments in their life when their life is train wrecked. And it's being the person in the moment to act with the gospel in that moment. The gospel is a message for all. The shepherds told everyone that God saw them and that God sees them as well. It's that moment in time where you look. And, I, and listen, I'll tell you, a number of years ago, my wife and I are going to, the, going to the airport to go pick up this guy. And there was this motorcycle on the little crotch rocket, you know, the little. And they like blow, blow by you. And so we were like driving in this little, little crotch rocket. goes. And all of a sudden, we're getting off, and then all of a sudden, the, 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 this is what happens. We come around on the freeway, and all of a sudden, the bike just disintegrates, and this guy ping-pongs against the guardrails. And we're driving up, and we're passing his body on the side of the road. The bike is still smoking, and there's like a ton of people that have stopped and are running to this guy, and, my, and I'm driving, and my wife goes, you need to stop. And share the gospel with him. I'm like, baby, he is dead. And my wife goes, he may be alive. Share the gospel with him. Yes, dear. Maybe you've been there. No. Okay, yes, you're probably right. Okay. Pull off. Run back. He's still breathing. His leg is in one direction, his arm is in another, he's got bones sticking out of his chest, he's bleeding, his helmet was on, his mask was open, there was blood coming out of his nose and his mouth, and he was breathing labored. And I walk over to him, and all these people, man, they got their phones and they're videoing and taking pictures. 
And I lean over and I kneel down next to him and I say, I want to share with you the God, the good news of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins. And he can, he's risen from the dead and he wants to save you right now. I don't know if I can do anything for you physically. But let me tell you something. You can be in heaven in the next few minutes if you, if you invite Christ into your life right now. And I prayed to receive, and I, and I said, just in, in, right now, in your mind, in your heart, pray. And there was a Christian that was right there. There was this lady, and she was praying. And everybody that's videoing is kind of stopping and standing away, going, what the heck is going on? And in that moment, I didn't care. And I am sharing Christ with this guy. And when I'm done, and I'm sharing the scripture, it literally, it was like, I mean, I was fumbling through the message of salvation. When we're done, he started to cry. There were tears coming down his face as the ambulance is arriving, as the fire truck is arriving, as all these people are arriving. There are so many people this holiday season that are going through life at 100 miles an hour. And they're just a phone call away. There's something that's going on and that's going to completely wreck their life. And they're looking for someone to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with them. And the question is, are you going to pull off in a figurative sense, get out of your car as they're pretzeled on the side of the road of life and share the greatest message that has ever changed and transformed your life, or are you going to just keep on driving? Maybe God wants to notice people this year through you. Maybe you're the hands and feet of Jesus. It's why we do the gift ministry. It's why we do the food ministry. It's why we do these things. Well, I don't know, man. I'm not trained. I'm not good. I'm not good at this. I stink at public speaking. If you're breathing and you start to fumble through it, I promise God will take over and do the rest. God does not change. God sees you all the time and God loves you. This Christmas, believe that God is with us, Emmanuel. If you're here this morning and maybe you're the one pretzeled on the side of the road, maybe you've never invited Christ into your life. Maybe it's time for you to say, you know what? I'm done running. I'm done racing through life. I'm ready to commit my life to Jesus Christ right now. I'm gonna say a prayer when we pray together. And it's not the, the words that save you. Remember, it's the person and work of Jesus Christ that saves you. You can come to know him. And he would know you. He already does. He sees you, all the stuff in your life, everything that you're hiding, that you don't want anybody to know. He sees it and still loves you, still died on the cross for you. Believe and receive him into your life right now. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Lord Jesus, in the next few moments, I pray that you would draw some people to yourself that don't know you. All that are be saved, Father, this morning, I pray that you would save them. If you don't know Jesus Christ, here's the words that maybe your heart is longing to find. You say right now in your heart, say, God, 
my life is messed up. And I need you to save me. I believe that you died on the cross for everything that I've done wrong. Say these words to the Lord right now. I believe that you rose from the dead. It's in Jesus' name.